Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen welcomes Rebecca Molitor, who will explore prenatal bonding. And now your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I'm excited about my guest today and my topic. Um, Rebecca Molitor is going to be joining us today, and um, her topic is prenatal bonding. Uh, however, I want to share a little bit about how I got to know Rebecca. I uh, first met Rebecca through Michael Trout and some training that I was doing with him. Um, I was in his infant mental health course, and this is an area of expertise for Rebecca. So she was involved in this course. I've also heard her present with Michael about prenatal bonding. And also, uh, Michael and his wife, Mary Colarudis, have an ongoing salon about attachment at their home. So I had numerous opportunities to spend evenings at Michael's home having a light supper and talking about attachment theory and the applications of it to our work. And so that was another opportunity I had to get to know Rebecca. And I've always been so impressed with her and her work. Uh, in addition to her work with prenatal bonding, she, she is a licensed clinical professional counselor. So she does have a private practice in Illinois. Um, she is one of very few prenatal bonding uh, facilitators uh, in the United States and um, definitely I believe the only one in the greater St. Louis metro area. So um, she is uh, a person that also does uh, psychological evaluations and um, services for the Illinois Early Intervention Program. Uh, so she has a great deal of experience of working with children from birth to three. So super excited to have Rebecca here with us today. So Rebecca, welcome to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to be with me today. Thanks for having me, Karen. I appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, as I shared, um, I mentioned to our our listeners that you and I met through the amazing Michael Trout and probably have mutual admiration of him. Yes, so, most definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so our topic today is prenatal bonding. And I think, you know, if you could just even talk a little bit about what that even is, because I think for some of our listeners, they may not have even heard of such a thing. Um, and so, you know, maybe just a general uh, overview of what it even is before we get into it a little bit further, if you could share that. Sure. Um, so essentially what creative bonding is, it's the ability for a mother and including the father as well to connect with the baby prior to birth. 
um, and form a relationship uh, where um, they can understand their child better and their child can understand them better. And then also then to prepare for the birth process. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, so how did you yourself learn about this and go about getting training and how to do this? Through our great friend, Michael Trout. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, was, I, I talked with Michael periodically and one day he handed me a flyer and he said, you know, I think this might be something you're interested in. And um, for those of us who are, I think we consider ourselves students, students of Michael, um, when Michael hands you something and says, I think you might be interested in this, you kind of pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I went to the first, uh, Michael hosted the first meeting uh, with the trainer from Germany, Gerhard Schrock, um, in Champagne. And uh, there was a group of about 35 of us uh, that met over a weekend. And that was the beginning of it here in the United States. Wow, so you were involved in really the actual startup in the United States of bringing this um, this way of, of doing this work, prenatal bonding, and um, so that's exciting that, that you were part of it, that Michael actually brought it to the United States then, so to speak. Absolutely, and Michael heard uh, Gerhard at the APA conference, um, the Association for Perinatal and, Pre uh, Perinatal and Perinatal Psychology and Health, and he heard Gerhard there and then really thought that it was something we needed to do and really diligently said, we have to get some people interested in this and, um, and started it that way. There's other methods that also focus on bonding prenatally. Now, this one's a little bit different than those methods that are already kind of circulating in this country. So tell us a little bit about um, maybe general underpinnings of prenatal bonding and then how this is different. What's different about your specific approach that you learned from Gerhard? So, this, um, so the general underpinnings is what I said earlier, which is about um, how do we have the mother in a more relaxed state and really, really connecting with her baby and hearing her baby before the baby is born. Um, and one of the things that we all have reflected, uh, uh, when I say we all, I mean our facilitators, um, we all reflected during our training process and in our ongoing work um, uh, is in our Western world, in the United States, um, mothers now are in such a different state. You know, we are oftentimes full-time employees, we're taking care of a household, and then we're also pregnant. <laughs> and, and we have this huge responsibility, right, of sheltering and caring for this baby prior to birth. And oftentimes, um, we don't take out time just to be present and to sit still um, and really um, feel what's happening and notice what's happening. And so um, I think that's the general thing that all the creative bonding um, approaches can bring. And I think they all have a value. I think anytime you spend time contemplating, it's a good thing. Um, uh, the difference between this particular approach is this one goes a little bit more in depth. And so um, it's a very structured approach. Uh, it begins between 18 and 24 weeks. It lasts until 34 weeks, uh, 36 weeks of pregnancy. And what we try to do is uh, we try to work through any trauma, trauma issues that the mother may have had prior to doing this experience because there's lots of research support that women that have gone through sexual abuse for example have more difficult labors and that can cause some challenges as well. We try to work through any past history, so any historical traumas that may be present for that family. Um, and all those things can come up. Um, and we really consider ourselves a facilitator, not necessarily a therapist when we're in that role. Um, we're not trying to guide, we're not trying to advise anybody of anything. 
and we're just really guiding them with the information that they provide. And, um, and so it's a very, it's a really beautiful process. And the other thing is that we really try to include the fathers. So I've been really fortunate. I've had two fathers that have participated um, and, um, and just have really enjoyed seeing that process and how the fathers have been able to connect prior to birth and just have this really ex incredible experience about, wow, I can do this too. It's like this hidden secret that just my wife gets to have. Yes, yes. So uh, when, when you're talking about historical traumas, does that then mean that this is something um, – the, the, the prenatal bonding training that you had that is specifically for mental health professionals who would um, maybe know how to handle something like that coming up or how, how does that work? So actually the answer to that is actually no. This is a method is, a, is available to doulas, to midwives, um, to, um, but there has to be some level of understanding of an interest, an intense interest in the perinatal world, right? There has, that yeah. has to be. Oh, I love that. An intense interest in the perinatal world. That's a beautiful yeah. statement. Um, and so that has to be present. Um, and so Gerhard, um, as the trainer for us in this country right now, he goes through a screening process to determine who is appropriate for um, being a facilitator. And right now, myself and another facilitator in the U.S., we are trainers in training. So hopefully someday we'll have two, at least two trainers here in the U.S. <gasps> oh, that's um, great. Yeah, so we're excited about that possibility. Um, it's a slow process. It's an intense process, but we're excited about it. Uh, so, so, but at the same time, when you, when you say that, so like we have a wonderful woman on the West Coast, um, Barbara Decker, who is a doula, and she's phenomenal in doing um, facilitations. But she brings a very different perspective as a doula than someone like myself as a mental health clinician. And so, um, so I think that as a facilitator, you hold the responsibility to know your own self and to know which are the appropriate um, clientele for yourself. And that's, we hold that very dear to our hearts. Um, and that's why we also meet, like we continue to meet um, quarterly as a group, uh, either in person or by Zoom, um, very faithfully we meet uh, to continue to consult on cases and talk about issues. And that's the facilitators that are here in the United States. Yes. Mm -hmm. Kind of like that first original cohort of people. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so about how many of those, you know, sometimes you'll go to a training like this or something and, and it doesn't really become a core part of what you're doing. So in that, in that group in the United States, about how many are, you know, really actively doing this and, and, you know, working with clients on a regular basis? That's a really good question. So this is not for the um, the faint-hearted. This training practice, um, and Michael did not reward us ahead of time of that, but that's okay. So this is actually a two and a half year process to be trained. Wow, and it's a very intense process, and so for two and a half years, uh, there was a so of the people who became interested, Gerhard selected about fifteen individuals that he thought would be um, that are qualified to do this work. Um, and then of those 15, about 12 of us so far have been certified. Um, and so some people chose not to be certified. Some people were just simply interested in participating for their own personal experiences and knowledge. And they're not facilitators. They don't do the work, but they gain the knowledge for themselves. So this tune of your process, we met four times for one week solid um, or for a very intense week of not just learning, but also introspection of our own story, our own narrative, our own family narrative. 
Um, we had to process through those uh, and individually and as a group, and that's going to be daunting, um, and, uh, and really work through our own work, our own stuff. And, and then we presented cases, and, and then even after that, we still have ongoing supervision. So it's a pretty uh, um, tight ship to make sure our facilitators are well-trained. This is so fascinating. And that's probably another thing that makes it different than the other methods out there. This is not like a weekend workshop where someone learns how to help someone connect with their baby. Um, mm -hmm. This is a training in which you learn about the nuances of the perinatal, the prenatal world. Um, and we also take our pool of our group. You know, we consider ourselves a really tight group. And so expertise of each person in there, like some person had a lot of interesting sensory knowledge. And so we would learn from that person about things that they might do. And, um, and so it's, it's been an interesting growth experience for myself as a clinician and as an individual. Um, and I've seen it now transpire with the clients that I've been fortunate enough to work with. Mm -hmm. And so... What did the client, some of the clients share with you that the experience was like for them? I'm also kind of wondering how they even find you or know this is out there or, or things like that. So whatever you want to answer amidst those questions. <laughs> well, I have to admit, I'm, I'm a terrible marketer of information. So that's, that's my fault. But you and Michael have that in common. <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> the terrible marketer badge. <laughs> yeah, you should get a special word for that. Um, so that's my fault, is I don't, I don't advertise it certainly enough, and I don't do a good job in knowing how to do that kind of stuff, which is kind of ironic, because I started as a business major in school. I must have, <laughs> it's a good thing I switched. <laughs> Uh, so people have found me through a couple of ways. Uh, one thing is through my, some of my clients. So some of my clients that I've seen happen to have gotten pregnant. Um, and then some of my former clients that I saw um, had heard that I was doing this through my website or knew that I was always gone for a week at a time for two years. <laughs> and, um, and then it's done through word of mouth. Um, like I've had um, a colleague whose niece was pregnant and she wanted to do it. And um, a sister of a woman who I worked with wanted to do it. Um, and I've done it both uh, in person and also by video, which has been interesting for me to do it. So I've done it by video with a couple of ladies um, um, outside of the Illinois area. So that's been kind of fun to do with it. I'm very glad to hear you mention that because I could imagine there are some folks listening to this podcast that are going to wonder, oh, is there a way I could do this, you know, and so, uh, so it could be done on, on somehow on Zoom or, or some kind of long distance arrangement you could make with people. Absolutely. Now, I have to admit that it's, it feels different for me uh -huh. and both individuals I was able to meet at some point. Like one of them um, came here and one of the other person I happened to be in the area that they lived. And so I visited them there and they're very gracious to allow me in their home, um, which is, I started off doing in-home services. So that wasn't a big deal for me to, to go back to that room. Um, uh, but, you know, after a while, I think the uniqueness of technology, which is another thing I'm not um, savvy at, uh, is, um, is it really can break through a lot of barriers and a lot, a lot of opportunities. Um, and so it was different, but we would also talk about the differences. We would make that part of the conversation um, for the mother and I uh, to make sure that they um, felt comfortable and safe in that experience. So, and so what are some things that um, 
mothers or even fathers as well have shared with you about this experience and how like how long is a session and you said there's a starting and an ending at specific points in the pregnancy but do you see them every week or yeah, sorry, I didn't answer that question from earlier. Um, so let me first explain the process. and then Yes, we'll the logistics, and then we can get into it. Yeah, yes. so the first part is we do a questionnaire. Um, so the, it takes about two to three sessions, and it's a real intensive questionnaire in history of the mother and the father's um, pregnancy, their relationship, as well as the family history. And from that, we determine whether or not this is a good, uh, good candidate, a good experience for this family. Because one of the things that we also have to hold in accountability, ourselves in accountability, is to not cause um, undue distress to families. And so if we have a parent, for example, and a couple times I've had this when I was in training, a parent that had a more serious mental health condition, um, uh, like whether it's borderline personality disorder or some narcissism um, disorders. Um, and the reason I mentioned those in particular is because it's harder for those individuals to identify with their own internal states, and it's harder for those individuals to identify with others' internal states. And so that would make this process very difficult for them. Mm -hmm. And so the question whether that's like a good individual for um, for this experience. So we do a questionnaire. We consult with our trainer to see whether or not this is a, um, a, a family that would benefit from the service. And then we start doing the, what's called the baby sessions. And the baby sessions are the most, I love the baby sessions. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. How could you not love a baby session? <laughs> baby session. <laughs> and in the baby sessions, uh, you sit uh, with, the, with the parent, uh, mother or the mother and the father, if he chooses to be present. Um, and uh, the mother just relaxes um, on the couch, and we first do like a brief meditation to get them relaxed in a relaxed state, um, and then we just um, start wondering and start being attentive to what she experiences, um, and even, and I think what I love about this process more than anything is I feel like it takes us back to something that my grandmother was a midwife. I should say that my grandmother was a midwife back in the you know, gosh, 30s and 40s. Oh, um, wow. A community in Wisconsin. What a legacy. Uh, and yeah, it was a farm, you know, farm community. And there was, she had a lot of babies. She had 10 babies. So people thought she knew what she was doing. With <laughs> 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 um, and uh, so she, she was um, a midwife. And one of the things I always remember her was a uniqueness about her is that she was very intuitive. She just knew things. I was my grandmother knew everything. And was not an educated woman, but knew everything. And I feel like this method goes back to that. I feel like this method truly says to the mother and the parent, slow down and just listen. And just listen to yourself and your intuition that oftentimes we cloud with lots of stuff, with mm -hmm. knowledge, with other people's opinions, and all sorts of things that we hear. And then we miss our very own history the intuition of our very own history, of our very, the baby's own experiences. And I think that this method really um, appreciates that and brings that back to the attention of the parent to say we can honor it. And um, so I, I just really treasure that. Um, so that beautiful stuff happens in the baby sessions. And I'm always uh, excited to do those. And, and, and they can be very moving. Um, most, most of the times there's a lot of moments where people cry. Um, it's very intense at moments. Um, and, uh, and then after we did, we said that from 18 to 24 weeks of gestation, and then at about 34 weeks of gestation, um, we then move into what's called the separation sessions and we meet weekly during the baby sessions and it has to be at least 10 sessions. 
Um, and then during the, during the separation sessions, we are more intense, like two to three times a week for the last two weeks. And we focus on preparing the mother and the baby for the separation and for the birth. Because one of the things that we have to remember is that we physically are connected to our mothers. Um, and that's our very first separation. It's the very first leaving of our first home. Like, and it's a great home. Like the womb is a perfect place. It's, you know, it's quiet. It's very secure. Everything is met. We have no worries. And it's warm. Yeah, it's warm. It's great. And it's like going to a spa, right? And then all of a sudden, or, you know, I recently did, Karen, um, those floating experiences if you were floated and, mm -hmm. and it's like that right it's this beautiful experience and then all of a sudden you're born and it's very different uh and so so we repair from that whole process the mother and the baby um, because sometimes mothers forget that all of a sudden you have this intense sense of loss because um, what you once shared all to yourself mm -hmm. it was just you and this baby you never had to share with anybody else. Suddenly, everybody wants to touch the baby. Everybody else wants to hold the baby. Everybody thinks that they know what's best for the baby. Life is very different. So, um, and, and, and even sometimes overlooking the mother when the baby comes. That's exactly right. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. And in the father, mm -hmm. right, in the father's role, because the father can often be that person that's just in the corner, like, oh, he doesn't have a role. And, and we try, with fathers that want to participate, we try to tell them your role is extremely important because their role is to be present and hold the mother, to hold the whole space for the whole family. Um, so, so that's how the process goes. And then we do a follow-up. Um, at, at one month and six months, we do a follow-up evaluation to check in to see how things are going. And that's when we get the feedback from parents and families about um, what, what their experiences have been. So I've been able to do a few trainings. Um, some families have been gracious enough to allow me to use their story to do trainings on this method. Um, and so I've been able to do that and, um, and we've just had some really incredible results. And uh, so we've had women that have said that this is the best experience that they've ever had, um, that they've never, even women, I've had one woman who had two um, C-sections, that uh, there are two previous children, and she was able to have a vaginal birth on her third, and that was her reason for wanting to do prenatal bonding, is she really wanted to have a vaginal birth. Um, I've worked with women that are adopted, and that they've had, they've said, they wondered what that was going to be like for them to give birth, and then have to then keep the baby, and what that might bring up for their own story. Um, and one of my most interesting comments probably was from a grandmother, actually, and it was a really interesting case um, of a young mother uh, who was really questioning whether she wanted to keep this baby when she was first pregnant um, and was uh, potentially was going to terminate the pregnancy at one time um, and uh, was very depressed and really struggled in the early part of her pregnancy. And uh, about six months after the baby was born, the grandmother sent me a text message. It was a, my it was a colleague of mine's relative, and she got my phone number, and she said, I don't know what you did to my grandchild, maybe her, her granddaughter, but this baby is the happiest baby I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> what wonderful feedback. It was wonderful feedback from a, gra from a really tough grandma, too. She was, she's, a, she's not an easy, uh, easy person to please. Uh, she's a good critic. Uh, but we see that. So we see a lot of happier babies. Um, and I see a lot of curiosity, and then parents have all said that too. These are kids that have been very curious kiddos. And consistently I get the same comment that mothers say, um, I just seem to know what he needs or she needs. I don't, it doesn't, it's not seem as a struggle. Especially with mothers that have had other children, that they have said that. It just seems to be easier for me to understand what they need. Um, 
the most dramatic um, experience probably I've had was a little guy who um, who had a congenital heart failure issue uh, that was diagnosed prenatally. And so we knew and the, the moment he was born that he was going to have to go through some intense surgeries and that was going to prolong his first uh, few years of life. And I'm an infant mental health specialist as well, so I work with kids um, births and up. And um, so the mom's goal was to bond before they, she's lost her baby. Like she knew she had about 15 minutes or so before they were going to able to have to take him and put him into um, an, um, a safer place. And so, um, so she wanted to bond with him. And we also know, and she was very wise, she knew that when we lose that early attachment, that that can cause problems later on for social emotional development. And so with this little guy, we did prenatal bonding. And, and that's been a really interesting case because he has, he's had speech delays and of course motor delays because of his medical issues. Um, and he's received therapy for those things after birth, but he has never had any social emotional delays. Um, mm -hmm. And so for a kid who's gone through two major heart surgeries before the age of one, and then another major heart surgery at two and a half, and he's never had any social emotional delays. He's always been on target. You know, what I really love, well, I love so many things about, about what you're describing, but I, I really like that there's this prevention element because I think, you know, many times um, pregnant women um, or couples expecting a baby, they know that maybe there's a potential for these kind of complications or whatever. They know ahead of time, but it's sort of like, what do they do with that? I mean, just usually just kind of sit in that pool of anxiety and fear. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of, um, I mean, because of a family situation, looking a lot into prevention of medical trauma, um, because almost everything's just about what to do after the person has symptoms of medical trauma, the, the baby or the, it's like, well, is there something we could do beforehand? And in, in talking with some mothers about that, they're like, I never considered that we could ask for certain things to be a certain way when we take our baby to the hospital. And so it's this idea of helping people understand we can, we can back up this process, you know, you can back up pregnancy to before you give birth and, and the experiences with that baby. Um, it, it gives a space to be able to work on some of that. That's just such a scary helpless feeling when parents are told you know for example like you're saying the baby's going to need surgery almost immediately or something mm -hmm. yeah it's very true and you know this family came to me because they heard the diagnosis and they actually came to me because they heard that i work with little kids and they said hey we have older kids our our unborn baby is going to be going through this can you can you see our older kids to make help them through this process and I was like, well, yes, I can do that. And I also have this other thing. And they were jumping on it, right? Right. I was new to it, and we were all new to it. And um, and uh, and I still see this family periodically, and I'm, I'm very blessed to have them um, continue to be so open and share with me. But it's really interesting you say that because they talked a lot about that. They talked about um, that they felt so helpless. Like, what can we do? And I think that's the thing that I appreciate about this too, is it gives, it's another tool, right? It's not, it's not a miracle. It's not a miracle thing. It's, a, it's one more prong in the, in the wheel of how to make life better um, and how to get through things easier. It doesn't take the hurt away. 
the mom still, of course, was incredibly hurt that her baby had to be taken from her moments after birth. That still exists. Um, but she held on to the fact that I did what I could. I did what I, I knew I could do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in fact, it worked really well for this little kiddo. The doctors, um, the mom sent me a message when he was um, had his first surgery. Um, and the doctor said, if all the stars align, um, this baby will be out in, in 15 days. And he was out in 14 days out of the hospital. Wow! So we were, and he, I have a beautiful image uh, of him right after birth. And he has all these tubes. And, you know, it was, it was just, you know, it's really tough seeing medically fragile children in their babies. And so I have this image of him all hooked up to stuff. And, um, and then I have an image 15 days later of him just smiling. He has this huge smile on his face as he's being uh, discharged from the hospital. So um, I'd like to think that prenatal bonding had something to do with that. Um, and uh, of course, it's hard to judge exactly what all the components are. Um, and so we have to hear the, hear the message of what we of the people that have experienced it. And, and so far, we have over 7,000 individuals across with Europe and the United States. Um, we have about 300 people in the United States that have gone through prenatal bonding. And so we're collecting data um, and, uh, and getting that information together through, our, through Gerhard. Um, and to see, you know, this is what people are saying who go on through this experience. Yeah, it's really beautiful to hear about. You know, when... Um, I was doing my fair play training. Um, we were made aware of um, prenatal use of the Marshak interaction method. And there are some very old videos. Um, and I have some new videos from pregnant moms at Chadak where we did the Marshak, you know, tell your baby a story, tell your baby what um, birth might be like, these different things. and. Um, there wasn't a, a formal research study, but um, anecdotally, they did some of this work with um, mothers with um, a history of, act of addiction and found that the mothers were more likely to be able to avoid substances um, because, you know, it, it, they realized this is like a person in a different way because of that experience. And I would imagine there's some aha moments um, for parents going through this, like, okay, like, you know, our, our culture kind of acts like, it's not until the baby's born that, 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 that you have this person in front of you. But tell me a little bit about, you know, how, how it might shape a person's thinking about an unborn baby. Well, you know, I, I think when you're talking, I, I went back to my, um, the young one when I, when I saw who was, really troubled with her pregnancy. She was a very young lady. Her, um, the father of the baby had, was denying the pregnancy. She was in a very difficult situation. Um, and initially she was uh, going to terminate the pregnancy. In fact, she had gone to terminate the pregnancy. Um, and they told her at the, at the facility, you know, we don't think that you are in a state, you're not, you don't really want to do this. And they actually turned her away saying, you're not, you're, you don't really want to do this. And they said, yeah, come back. Thinking about this, and during that during that time frame, um, then she had talked to my colleague and called me, um, and she was just very depressed. She didn't know what to do, um, and she um, and so in the course of our time together, um, we worked through her own feelings of loss, you know, loss of this partner, loss of her life. You know, she had this wonderful life of being 
early 20s and having a good time and not worrying about much too many things. <laughs> you have to let go of that, you know, when you become a parent. Um, but she also had this unique thing where she said, when I, I wanted to be a good mom, and that was, that was the reason why she, she got into prenatal bonding. She's like, I want to be a good mom. And, um, and so during the course of our baby sessions, I remember um, one day, probably maybe like baby session, maybe seven or eight, um, and she was contemplating uh, the name of the baby, whether or not she would give the baby the last name of the father or her last name. And she, of course, had some resentment with this man, and she said, he's not getting, the baby's not getting his name. <laughs> and, uh, and her grandmother, um, this family was African-American, and her grandmother very strongly felt the child should have the father's last name um, because of historical trauma to African-Americans throughout our history, where their last names were also taken from them. And so this grandmother said, no, this baby has to have the father's last name. We can't do this to our, our, our children any longer. And so the, the Google was a great conflict. And, um, and she all of a sudden in a session, she just started to laugh. And I, I said, well, that's so funny. And she said, um, he's saying that he wants the dad's last name. <laughs> and she just started laughing. She's like, so I guess he's going to have his last name. <laughs> and, and it was a really interesting moment. Um, because the mom, um, she really gave in to this process that, you know, at this point, this, this uh, being within her had an opinion about it. Um, and, and she would, and I remember her case so interesting because she would see words. Um, so she would see like yes or no images. So people have different experiences. Sometimes they have feelings. Um, I had one woman that saw colors. Uh, but so she would see words. And, uh, and, and, um, and she then believed it. She trusted her intuition because it was different than hers. And so she was like, ah, well, that's not what I really think. So maybe it's him. Maybe he is what he thinks. Wow, just fascinating hearing your experiences with this. Yeah. So um, I before we wrap up here, I wanted to um, make sure people know where they could find you or learn more about this. You know, you could have an onslaught of referrals because, you know, all of us who work in this um, field of attachment are neurotic that we're doing the right thing for our children and we want to get it right. And so you, you, you could have some folks that really want to pursue this with you, but, you know, uh, getting in touch with you, maybe doing a little more reading about this. What could you recommend for people? Sure. So if you go to my website, which is um, www.compassionategrowth.net or .org, I think it's easier one now, um, uh, there's a link on there for prenatal bonding, and there's some information on there. Um, and then, of course, you can always email me directly about things. Um, there are some things on the internet. There was an article, a journal article that was published in English. Um, it's called the, Neurolog the Neurobiological Underpinnings of Bonding Analysis. Very good article that was written by a German woman who is a prenatal bonding facilitator. Um, and I, the one thing, I, I forgot to mention, if you don't mind me adding this, the one thing that we're finding out now, and Gerhard is doing more research with this in Europe, um, I've had two mothers with this experience, that we have noticed a decrease in po postpartum depression with women. Um, who've gone through prenatal bonding. And so one woman that I've worked with that was diagnosed with depression um, uh, years ago and had been on medication, um, her first nine months after delivery, she did not need um, any medication. 
Uh, she had to go back on it later on, um, but uh, there was something about the process that helped her feel more confident and, and struggled less with feeling inadequate and connecting with her baby. And that really, um, really helped her a good deal. So we're hoping to have more research about that, um, about what could this mean for postpartum depression if we work on it a little bit beforehand. Yes, beautiful, yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, I feel like I could talk with you a very long time about this, but I do appreciate the time that, that you've given me. So thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Here. All right. Goodbye for now. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site at www.theknowledgecenteratchadoc.com or subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our broadcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to the Knowledge Center at chadoc.com. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.